Welcome to the Red, White and You podcast. My name is Mark Doma. This is the show that discusses the social, political and socio-economic situations of Liberia and Liberians home and abroad. We are recounting 13 reasons why Liberia remains underdeveloped. This is reason number three, the lack of information and education. The past two episodes covered secrecy and tribalism and racism as they relate to the issue of lack of development in the country. You can go back to those episodes and quickly recap the first two reasons why Liberia remains underdeveloped. Knowledge is power and the lack thereof is tantamount to the destruction of a civilization. The withholding of it is a blatant violation of rights of the person. Ditto the highly lauded freedom of information laws. Knowledge is acquired through the consumption of information and it is saved thus to say, knowledge is based on the amount of information one has access to. If knowledge were quantifiable, you could say, The quantity of information determines the quantity of knowledge. You can also allude that the quality of the information greatly affects the knowledge one acquires. To make good judgments, one must execute knowledge acquired through information pertinent to the issue. Knowledgeable people, it can be concluded, are informed people, and informed people make informed decisions. To be educated is to be informed. Literacy is having the ability to read and write. In today's society, where information is predominantly shared through describing of ideas, literacy is vital to the acquisition of knowledge. Education is a primary resource for knowledge. Education is so important that the following statements are universally ascribed. Education is the key to success. Education is the key to life, the key to opportunity, key to change the world, key to the future, key to development. In fact, JFK believed and said, quote, let us think of education as the means of developing our greatest abilities. Because in each of us, there's a private hope and dream which fulfilled can be translated into benefit for everyone and greater strength for our nation. One person can make a difference, and everyone should try. Our progress as a nation can be no swifter than our progress in education. The human mind is our fundamental resource." According to UNESCO, adult literacy rates in Liberia is just slightly over 40%. That is, more than half the adult population of Liberia is illiterate, sadly. This is due to a combination of multiple factors, but most importantly is the lack of access to education and information. If knowledge is power and knowledge is acquired through information, then an informed citizenry is the bedrock of development. 
the power of an informed population cannot be underestimated. In this episode, I catch up with my good friend and co-host Tambasa, who is based in North Dakota, to discuss the above as it relates to the lack of development in Liberia. Welcome to the show, Tamba. And how are you doing today? Tell us how is the situation with the coronavirus in North Dakota. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here again on the Rye Wine You podcast, and this couldn't have been a better time to be here today. Yeah, if the environment and the mood is just a little panicking, um, you go to stores, you go in in the street, you go in uh, shops and small businesses area. People are very panicked, you know, because everyone seems to be a suspect nowadays. Wow. Um, yeah, so, but uh, at the end of the day, we've received some reassurances from the local government authority in North Dakota, and we're just hoping that um, it, 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 it can turn out to be something that we've seen it or thought about. It could be better. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, our next reason here for the lack of development in Liberia. Today, we are looking at the lack of information and education. How these two things contribute to the lack of development in Liberia. Uh, as you may be aware, listeners, we're listing 13 reasons why Liberia remains underdeveloped. We've dealt with two. If you haven't, you can go back and listen to the two reasons that we've outlined. Um, we dealt with secrecy and uh, tribalism and racism as reasons for the lack of development in Liberia. And today we are dealing with the lack of information and education, how they contribute to um, Liberia's being underdeveloped. So, Tamba, let's talk about basically when we look at information in Liberia. Uh, what are the various forms that uh, information uh, flow about in Liberia? Yeah, um, information in general is a very huge concept. So, basically, in nowadays society, information is basically um, about conveying, you know, words by mouth or by paper a specific set of people yeah. or one person to another or you intra-communicate an idea or plan or message to one another. But in, like I said, in general, it's a very, very huge concept that you know can be diverged into with the use of various factors like uh, social media and the rest. So basically now we can say, because I mean, when you and I were growing up, our schools would tell us information uh, can be disseminated either by oral or written. But now I want to add a, a third one that is like visual, uh, because a lot of people consume information by video and and um, those those can be possibly considered as a third form of uh how we consume information. So the written one maybe was written on paper. Um, the oral one is something that people say by mouth. And visuals now go about in the forms of YouTube and other. So basically, you have uh, information that needed to get to the public. So for example, right. if there's an edit from the government and that needs to be spread around, uh, knowing that a lot of people don't read and write, uh, it has to be done through someone called the town crier. I don't know if you guys have any town criers in your place. Uh, sometimes he will have or a horn that he blows to make sound like a trumpet. 
and yeah. he would use it to call attention. Basically, use the morning hours and the evening hours when everyone is home. He would go about screaming and yelling the information from house to house, from quarter to quarter, and from town to town. Hey, this issue is happening nationally, and the government of Liberia wants everyone to be involved. So, all uh, for example, everyone needs to be vaccinated at, at this time. Between this day and that day, you have to go and get your yellow fever vaccine. And, you know, or we're going to have people come around to your houses to give polio vaccine to kids. So be ready, be home by this time. So that that's something that they used to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nowadays, if we kind of take a reflection back as to how information was communicated, it may seem funny, but um, going back into this time and just trying to reminisce um, how life was like, those were the effective ways in which, you know, Government agencies or non-profit organizations can have messages sent out. You got to have foot soldiers on the field to go from doors to doors, house to house, and, you know, spread out those words. Those were the most effective way. Because during that time, um, the issue of social media was not a thing. It, may, it, may, it, it was a thing um, within the West, but not in Africa, specifically mm-hmm. Liberia. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, if the government has messages to send out, um, to the, the wider public, it has to be through you know radio stations or a better still, it has to be through full field, yes? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. But we look at the history of communication as well, like you mentioned, town crier going back hundreds of years ago. Those were the effective where we used to have like messengers and town crier who ran barefooted um, and communicate messages to house to house. And you know, basically, he was like a linkage between. You know, town authorities or, or village authorities, mm-hmm. or, you know, households and families. So he was uh, very, very important. Whoever, you know, town crowds were important people. But, you know, as life goes on, things evolve, the world change, and we get to adapt from um, town crier to being called messenger, from messenger, you know, to having um, telecommunication system in the front of radio stations. And, and at the same time, we still didn't get, you know, rid of uh, full studios where we, you know, plenty of people out in the communities to reach out and educate and send messages. And now today we um, live in a digital, a digitally, you know, um, open society where um, you can send messages from the tip of your finger or, within your, or sitting within your couch. Now, yeah. reach hundreds and hundreds of people. So we've, we've come a long way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, back uh, in in uh, 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 elementary school, I also learned that uh, we had the first uh, uh, newspaper in Liberia, the first printing press in Liberia, uh, the Monrovia Herald, and that's, that's something. I mean, having the ability to disseminate information uh, way back in the um, the nineteenth century, where we could use newspapers was was great and the evolution that you talk about like the um the part that radio stations play um in reaching people has always been very fascinating because um i remember my dad um the bbc was his favorite uh international news station that he was he would tune into once it was uh, uh, 1700 GMT, I remember that time. That's how I got to read uh, Military Time. Once it's 1700 GMT, I know it's 5 o'clock, and you hear that BBC uh, station ID, and it goes off. Uh, 
the news is ready and that's how he consumed information and that, that's how it was for most Liberians who had access to radio. So basically what we're looking at today now is that how the absence of information reaching out to the general public, how it affects uh, the mindset of people and how it affects development. The challenges are obviously there. So we know that um, oral information, for example, like using foot sodiums and town criers, the information is always going to be distorted by the time it reaches the, the last consumer, the, the end user. Um, words will be translated from English to local dialect and the effects of it will get missing. Um, and sometimes people will try to interpret it however way they understand. I, I think mm. that has that has contributed to a lack of information, basically, in a lot of places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like oral and written communication, the both are equally important. Mm-hmm. Um, both are super important. But I, for me, I look I looked at oral communication to be um, to be done to be like a short term thing. Yeah, uh, I make. I may come and you know make a message or say something, yeah, and make make a declaration verbally, and it may be you know heard and accepted at a moment, but for the long term, you know, it's it not, may it's be not kept in people's memory and it goes away. Very good. And even whatever that is left there will get distorted over time. And I, it's one of the famous arguments in Liberia is usually around the accounts of history as recorded by. Uh, uh, our famous historian, what's his name, Joseph Seguano. His his books are great, but I know history as written by the winner or the loser can have different effects on who's reading it 100 years from now. And mm. most of the information that gets, you know, down to you in the end, uh, it just might not be uh, as accurate as you, you think. It, it gets, you know, in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So from one point, from point A, if a message is left from point A verbally to point B, mm-hmm. in the middle of that, there should be, there'll be a lot of filtration. There'll yeah. be a lot of misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be a lot of uh, the misinterpretation of intent behind those messages. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's one of the um, disadvantages of, you know, communicating orally. But going back to the base of the question as to the effect of the lack of oral communication, written communication, uh-huh. how has it been, how has it affected our society? Um, I, w- I would say it has greatly affected our, our, our country, especially Liberia. Um, for me, you get to look at the bigger picture, as the war evolves, as things change. Now, Liberia is a digitally enclosed country. We are lacking a lot when it comes to the effective and efficient dissemination information. Yeah. And this sure. has cost us a lot. This has cost the government a lot. And this has portrayed the government to be what it is not, you know, in the eyes of voters, in the eyes of citizens. A typical mm-hmm. example recently is the issue of the shortage of gasoline. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of miscommunication between the Ministry of Commerce and Industry and the Liberia Petroleum Refinery Company, LPRC, and the Ministry of Information, and as well as the National Port Authority. There were a lot of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ministry of Commerce came out to say that, oh, uh, gasoline, sh- you know, there's a shortage in the country right now, but in the next one week, there will be gasoline. And we just, you know, 
and the, he assured the minister assured the country that Gaza will be in the country without even week. consulting yeah. LPRC. And the experts are at LPRC. Yeah. So you know what these these are the effects. And that's why Lance Eugene Nambe came up to, to mention about the importance of communication because yeah. if there was a strong correlation between all those, you know, institutions, I think there should have been one force of message sent out to the public. And I think there'll be, you know, a better way the message will have been accepted uh-huh. as to how as to the damages it cost initially. So this that's just a typical example. I mean it's important that, you know, communication is equally channeled so that it can be accepted, you know. I mean, we we also see that to a great effect when it comes to the issue of elections, for example. Um because uh, the, the existing media that that people consume information uh, uh, through, they are so limited. Um, I mean, there are some parts of the country that you don't even have radio signals, and the roads are really bad. Newspapers don't reach there, so all of the new newspapers are situated in the capital. They have to get right. to print. And then they have to get on cars to be transported to the far end of the country in different, the, the very ends of the country. And it takes, sometimes it takes a whole week for a newspaper to leave Monrovia to reach the far, the far end of Riverses. And within right. that period of time, the people are not informed. If it is some right. type of business information, the period of them taking advantage of that good information, it ends. And it becomes useless information by the time it reaches them, or it is late information by the time it reaches doing awareness around HIV and AIDS, for example. And there's not much to be done if such an important health issue is going on in the country and people don't have access to that kind of information, how to prevent it, how to, how to practice safe sex and do other things that will, you know, prevent the spread of HIV and AIDS. You have to either listen to radio or take your information secondhand from someone else. And if that person decides to give you the wrong information, you take that and run with it. Uh Yeah, which which is something serious. Right, correct. Um, That's one of the things, you know, when the messages are sent out there orally, those are some of the disadvantages, like I mentioned. And like you mentioned about the the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing, you got to look at the, the market itself, the market of the newspaper. Uh-huh. And also, um, because if I'm a owner of a newspaper, I'm not going to, you know, take people's house in the rural parts of Liberia. Where people are, people don't old. even read. <laughs> a lot of the the, the, the the inhabitants of those places don't read, which is something we are going to be coming to in, in a short while, looking at the... Right. The population in term, in terms of literacy and illiteracy, yeah. So why would someone want to market the newspaper down there? Yeah, go ahead. Exactly, because you know the, the literate one are those that are moving into Monrovia, mm-hmm. the adjacent, like the Lavasview Highway, yeah, and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, it has a huge effect, you know, on on the country as a whole because you are. Uh, denying the wider population in the rural parts of the country the effective and up-to-date information concerning the happenings of national issues or concerning mm-hmm. the happenings in the country. Yeah. And 
at the end of the day, if, if, if newspapers are not diligently, you know, working according to the core values of journalism, and they're just there for the economic means, um, it's going to have a huge effect. You know, oh, at the end of the day, oh, oh. it's going to trickle down government. Yeah, that is something. I, I know some newspapers in Monrovia that are very notorious for that. They will release yeah. a Monday edition, which is like the prime edition for the week, and there's no news, mm. just ads. It's like... What's someone going to do with your, even if, if your eyes uh, go down to reverses, what's someone going to do with your eyes way down there about products that's never going to reach them or it's not even accessible to them? You fill out the entire paper with nothing but ads. Right. Yeah. And and that is the thing. And another thing that actually stands out to me is our country, Jonathan, is not evolving according to the pace of the world. They're not in line with the pace of the war. No. Um, I know you've, you've, you've traveled to a, for a lot of countries. You've been in the U.S., you've been um, in some part of African countries. You see that the issue of even newspaper... Yeah, there's an information is, gap. You know, yeah. it's, 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 not, it's not a real thing anymore. We need we need televisions, mm-hmm. private televisions, national televisions. We need to improve these outlets of information, you know, we need to improve them. We need to. We need private individuals taking initiative, because here's the thing: if you have a television here, you're gonna have more viewers nowadays, according to statistics. Yeah. Then, then you know, publishing a newspaper. You know, um, newspaper is a thing of the old. We, you know, first thing in, in the morning, we need a copy of it and see what's happening. We want to look at the top headlines. Yeah. But nowadays, with the issue of Technology, smartphones out there. I get my news through the phone, you know, through YouTube, you know, through the the the, the Facebook feeds. Um, I think we need to catch, you know, get in line. And I think government is the only one who can, you know, start this process by developing, you know, the little ones we have, you know, to meet the needs and get on par with the rest of the world. Yeah, you're you're right about that. That is so true because. For example, where my family is in the very far end of the country, way away from uh, Monrovia, it is difficult to even make a phone call in that place. So uh, my parents have a phone. My family is there. They got phones. Um, Mm. But to connect them both ways is kind of hard. If you want to call someone on that end of town, on on that, that end of the country, there's no way because there are no there's no reception. There's no way uh-huh. you're gonna dial, dial their number and share information with them immediately. Even worse, just cellular connection is not there. Uh, even worse is the existence of internet connectivity, and without that, they can't consume information as it is being distributed in the capital. So they always have to wait days or a longer period of time. And the fewer of them that have radios will tr- probably tune their radio to one of the local FM stations and that will then take that information and disseminate it to them if at all they have radio at all. Yeah, so the information gap is is still there. A few years back, we were successful in running the fiber, the fiber optic cable, um, uh, the, the undersea internet cable that went to Monrovia. But it is sad that even with the existence of that fast-speed internet cable hitting the country, we still can't have uh, that power in the hands of businesses. Uh, even government institutions, some of them still don't have access 
to that facility yet in in their various uh, um, edifices where the government operates. So it's, it just creates that kind of problem. Um, That's the thing. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not calling you, uh, but the issue of our, the, the main issue with, you know, our country is there's a lot of things. Not even the main. There's a lot of things. And the thing is, a lot of them are interconnected. Yeah. Now today we're talking about communication as a need that, you know, we try to improve upon the communication system we have. But here's the thing. We, you're going to need electricity to have an effective communication. You're going to need um, you're going to need like internet, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of internet companies coming in. But another thing is affordability, you know, it's, yep. it's one of the things. Yep. And it also trickled down to the general economy, the macro economy of the country. How is it? How How is it? How many people can, can afford a, a, a household to rent or to own? How many people can make sure that they have the necessary supply of electricity they can afford how many people are okay to afford the, the job, the need to make sure they have all these basic needs. So it's basically interconnected and makes it a little difficult, you know, for a country like Liberia. That's why I don't, you know, want to look down, but if we are to improve upon these things, we are to, you know, have a better country, does it mean that we shouldn't sugarcoat all of these shortcomings, these, these existential issues? Mm-hmm. We have to address them. And, and and work on them and make sure that at the end of the day the rest will fall in place. But communication is is something that should be paramount nowadays to um, the the authority in our country, our local government authority in communities, in in towns and villages. Because at the end of the day, the country woman want to know what's going on. You know why is it the supply of water is not coming in? Why is it there's a shortage? In the amount of electricity she's using in yeah. Central Monrovia, sure, she she wants to know that. I I just spoke with my mom. I mean, my dad, a couple of days ago, and I sent him some money through um, uh, MoneyGram uh, a week ago, and then he went and picked the money out. Tried to pick the money out. The money wasn't available. On the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, oh, yeah. the money wasn't still available. And there's a now, big term they use. They deserve- say system down. I like that term yeah, so but- much. Now, do you think he doesn't deserve an answer? No, he does. He does deserve an answer. Why is it that his son sent him money and he can't pick it up on time? You know? But nobody's got to give him the answers he needs. Yeah. Nobody does. The government can't address these situations. The government has not provided adequate information as to why these things are happening consistently and only in library happens. Yeah. You know, and it's really frustrating. I mean, yeah, that that's a very serious uh, challenge to this, the the dissemination of information too. The lack of electricity in the country up to now, the um, the Liberia Electricity Corporation has not stepped out of Monrovia just yet. After so many years of you know having the capacity that they have, they've not stepped out of Monrovia yet. And the Equus power that runs through Nimba County and heading down to the south is is not even uh, um, reaching a lot of people. So um, the, the, the issue of connectivity is just really, really non-existent when it comes to uh, Liberians outside of Monrovia. In Monrovia, there may be, but not even all of them, because even in Monrovia, people still don't have access to electricity. So um, on top of that is the issue of cost. So you may have uh, 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 um, the money, 
but you may not have enough to feed your family and then think about getting a, a phone bill or electricity bill and all that on top of it, especially in the absence of you having a job. And that, right. that, that just creates a huge information gap where um, people who can afford it can get informed. People who cannot inf- afford it cannot get informed. One thing I also want to stress out here is that an informed uh, population can make informed decisions. If people are not informed, um, obviously they're going to believe anything. They're not going to make informed decisions. This is why some some of the time uh, we end up electing um, the worst kind of leaders around. Uh, We end up electing people who... um, are not qualified for the job because exactly. yeah uh, uh during like electoral periods we we have the mix of 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 disinformation and misinformation in a sense that misinformation is just you know telling someone what is not true um this information on the other hand is where people intentionally spread misinformation with an intent of misleading people to make wrong decision and that happens a lot i'll give you an a example lot. Um, election time may come and people will try to use just uh, cryptic phrases to mislead people. 2005, we were told that the current president was not educated enough. I I mean, that is is something that is left for people to to judge. Uh, I don't know. And the information spread like wildfire, however way. Um, cryptic messages like shine your eyes and stuff where we're all around the place and people made decisions based on those kind of baseless uh, uh, arguments or uh, information right. was spread like hey uh, uh, um, this individual is the richest person in the race when we don't have any way of verifying that information that's just uh, 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 this information campaign and, and, and even worse 2014 we had this uh, a very serious issue in Monrovia. Then ordinary citizen George Maniwia, who is now the president, was running for a senatorial post in Monrovia against Robert Salif, the son of ex-president Ellen uh, uh, Johnson Salif. And the information that was spreading was that um, Robert Salif is gay. We have absolutely... No way of verifying that. That's not a thing that we should be concerned concerning ourselves right. with. But that information, considering how the country, how the issue of same-sex marriage and uh, uh, gayism is such a hot-button issue in Liberia, that information alone was big enough to cause Robert the election because once that goes to the public as as in misleading as it may be a lot of people make their decisions based on that without verifying yeah that's the thing um for the, like the allegation against robert Salif, um those are those type of allegations in politics uh, are indispensable mm-hmm. especially during, during the time of elections and you're gonna have you know people attacking each other and saying all kinds of stuff yeah um and, and there's going to be a lot of political cliches. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to and, do and a that's that's where joke. you need the media 
to do actual reporting and be able to verify the different things that these different politicians say so that the public can, can you know, consume accurate information based upon which they can make decisions. That's the thing. And our political culture is very messy. It's toxic, yeah. We, we, we don't have like a structural setup to make sure that candidates are evaluated according to set standards and expectations of the populace. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is something that has uh, drawn, you know, has ruined our making process, especially for the local minor- the, the minorities and the, the local people, um, the rural dwellers. Because if there is a structural setup where candidates can get evaluated, talking about national issues, talking about the economy, yeah. talking about our military, talking about these things, these major issues, that somehow, somehow affect us. But it's so sad to live in a country where our security system is being messed up. Oh, it is. Our security system is very ineffective, but people have not been taught about the root causes, the structure, the hold, the main, the main avenue for the effective flow of these services to the country. Talking about the military, talking about the police authority, what has been done? What is to be done to make sure that local communities can have securities well planted, mm-hmm. can make sure you know, citizens can have can feel and live very well secured? Um, these are things that need to be discussed. What can be done, or what are you going to do? We need to see and learn and understand the political manifestos of those candidates during the time of elections. But like I said, it's it's so messy, and it's it's something that we need to rewrite the script of electioneering in Liberia, we need to uh, set up a structure. We need to have, we need to work on ourselves. We need to work on our mindset. And one of the finest candidates that I have risen in the political spectrum of Liberia is um, Dallas DeLone. Now, I'm not saying that I support him during the election process, but I, the upcoming election process, I'm not saying that. But as a person, I think that the, the, the him or the personality of Darius DeLone is something that should be copied because uh, I've seen some of his podcasts and interviews now, and he's talking on a lot of personal things. Uh-huh. And I think what the message of Darius DeLone is, if you are a senator or representative, you need to work on yourself first before you serve people, hundreds yeah. of thousands of people. Sure. He talked about coming to work on time. That's one of the major things he's been talking about recently. You know, we have uh, senators and lawmakers who put in 32 hours of money and made tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, those guys go to work only twice a week, but they can't can even make that. He said it. They can't even go to work on time. They can't even, you know, be in session on time. And these are things that we need to work on because if we value the job and we also understand how it's super important to represent the, the people, the constituency we represent, we're going to create a passion. We're going to create put some seriousness into this job. And I think that's something we actually need yeah. on a very serious The latest census, the latest statistics from the UNICEF, it says that the, the population right now, um, up to 47%, that's less than half of the population is literate, which means they can read and write. But less than 15% of that number has any specialty. So that also creates a problem. 
where we we lack people who are expert doctors, mechanics, or who just you know have better knowledge in certain areas. That is creating a problem for us. Where um, I can I can I can give you an example where we have people in authority because. For example, majority of the my, 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 uh, a, a huge majority of public officials um, that are appointed, they are appointed by the president, and there's very little scrutinizing going on. Most of them are appointed based on political linkage or, or whatever on, on partisan level, and they are not qualified for these jobs that they are getting. So you make someone. An education minister, you make someone a finance minister, a minister for something that is way, way outside of his specialty. He has very little knowledge on that. In the end, he he, he ends up outsourcing his responsibility to consultants. During the administration of Ellen Johnson Salif, that was something that was very prevalent. Almost every ministry has these different international consultants that they will bring in as contractors to be able to, you know, execute the actual roles that these ministers are appointed to do. That's because you appoint these people based on partisan level. They are not educated well enough or they are not uh, specialized in the various things that you are, you know, appointing them for. You appoint someone for the Ministry of, of you know, Public Works, but he has no knowledge of how that ministry should work. He posts out an ad for an international consultant from for, for for whoever who has skill in that you know area, and then that person comes in. He gets paid a whole lot of money, and um, that is coming from the government. At the same time, we are also paying that minister a huge amount of money, and then we are also paying the consultant uh, out, outside of that to do the job basically as it is. So the ministries were infused with these different consultants and our actual ministers and deputy ministers were doing nothing. They were just, you know, there for political reasons. That's what's still going on. Uh, people are not specializing. Uh, even the little amount of, of the population that can read and write, not many of them are even making it out of high school. The little of them that are going into college, a huge number of them are not making it through to graduation. So these different factors just creating a whole population of uninformed people. And when people are not informed, they can quickly be manipulated. And it's it's just dangerous to, to democracy from what I think. You know, the, the misplacement... By, of, of government officials, by the president, um, all of the negative effects that you know that is boiling down to nowadays, the the negative results, the negative results we've receiving, the ineffectiveness and unseriousness we've seen into the output of those appointed officials um, has to do with our political culture, our mindset. Now. President Wea has um, President Wea has like uh, what's the word? He he inherited a culture, a political culture where by uh, appointing partisans, uh, yeah, yeah, with some higher level of foreign education into uh-huh. 
a particular position will solve a problem. Yeah. But those are short-term, you know, decisions. True. With a short-term result. But unfortunately, those short-term results are not yielding. Why? Because those are people who don't understand the nitty-gritty of how labor functions. The knowledge does not stay now, local. Yeah. He's he's using the top top down, the top bottom approach to solve these problems. Yeah. And it's not gonna work. You gotta use the other way around. You gotta be from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. Bottom to top, you gotta start with our local schools. The elementary school, you gotta invest in those schools, pay the teachers on time, uh, make sure they stay in school on time, organize programs, disseminate information on the importance of girls and boys being in school. Um, invest into our local community colleges, you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a huge plus to President Lee for making that initiative. We, for example, we have the Habel College. We do have the the University, I think, of Maryland. Sometimes, yeah, we, we we are having colleges in the various Basel counties college. now, but the standards right. is just not there yet. That's all. Right. So you invest into the efficiency and effectiveness of those counties. But like I said, making sure that professors and teachers are being paid on time and improve the infrastructure, improve the laboratories, and improve every other, you know, supply that the schools and colleges are going to need yeah. to make them more effective. Because if you do that, you invest in that. That's a long-term investment because the products of these schools, the, the graduates, the students, when they come out, I mean, they will provide the best results because they grew up into the system and understand how it functions, you know. So now these are just short-term decisions. Um, instead of by, the, by bottom to top, using the top to bottom, getting all, you know, the flashy names and the flashy credentials and putting them in the positions that at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be difficult to give results. And it's also going to, you know, plug the communication, the, the information dissemination, the flow of information into these zero ministries into the zero agencies yeah because you don't understand who knows what or you know you know people don't understand their area of study people don't understand how the country function how our community function how the, the what are the expectations of the of the citizens you got to understand and the only way you do understand these situations is you have to grow up in the system you know yeah, and that is a huge challenge for it, all of us. It sure, it sure is. I mean, speaking of the the whole issue of uh, investing in education, that is that is another tricky part because, I mean, the communication has to be there, and the effort has to be made. We had the um, the Education Act of two thousand and eleven that says uh, uh, primary education should be free, and should be compulsory. But these are just declarations if they don't accommodate themselves. Because um, if you're not supporting that up to now, we are we are seeing that investment in education is not quite there yet. We are calling on the government to have at least twenty percent of the national budget allocated towards education. But it is not eighty percent goes towards salaries and, and wages. So there's nothing left for infrastructure and capital investment and even uh, uh, improving the education sector. So 
you you being on the you know, the biggest university in Liberia, the University of Liberia, you've been there. There are hardly chairs for students to sit on. Their students go into yeah. class and they have to stand up. Some of them, because the classes are so crowded, they have to stand by the window on the outside of the building to, to capture information uh, that is so far away from them. The classes are dark because of lack of electricity. And students have to take chairs on their head from from one part of the campus to the other. That's that's just so bad, simply because of lack of support. These places are, you know, deteriorating. They're getting worse over time because when that culture gets gets settled in and we all become complacent that, oh, yeah, um, the government is not supporting education, so we have to work with what, what we have. In the end, nothing gets improved. It just becomes, uh, uh, we just end up, uh, pushing people out of the colleges with nothing, with no education at all, and and that yeah. that's also creating a whole huge population of of uninformed people. Yeah, you know, like I said, you know, Liberia is a country that deserves better, that deserves leaders, innovative leaders. Mm-hmm. We are lacking the creativity. Yeah, we are lacking people-driven leaders. We are lacking. Um, those individuals who um, need to take this country forward. We are lacking um, passionate leaders, you know, patriotic citizens. You know, like the war right now, for me, I always like to compare our country with the rest of the world. And I have one of my friends oh, who's sure, like... Oh, sure, sure. That's the standard. Yeah, I have, I have one of my friends who's like, you always compare Liberia to the rest of the world. I'm like, you, we gain, we gain our independence... Hundreds of hundred years ago, I think more than hundred fifty years ago, hundred seventy-three. What have we done? <laughs> I mean, this is a country that has been on its own. This is a country that's rich with a lot of resources. Yeah, but back, back then, our citizen, our the number of citizenship was like below the four million people. And what does it take to make sure that we have a very effective country that runs smoothly? We've been better. We've been better than most of our, our counterparts that won that. Uh, Kenya, we've we we we've been there, you know, but it's like we've we've stopped. Yeah, doing the doing Todman's doing Todman's days, Liberia's economy was second to the U.S. We had the biggest trading sector in in Africa as a whole, but because of poor right. management and, and 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 corruption, we lost that, and we end up having to fight. We end up having to have a civil war to fight ourselves. So right, and now. The rest of the world right now is focusing on science and technology. When it comes to that, in my book, where where we are, like how many how many how many students you have that really really practicalizing their their engineering degree? No, it's a shame. You know, we should we should start developing technology as well. We should try to get on path with brilliant ideas. And I think these are things are lacking, and it's all because of the lack of support. And I think it's about time that we invest, like I said, into the education system. Other than that, librarians are going to get stuck to where you are. And if you grew up in library and go to college in library, you're not going to be better than anybody who grew up in the Western way and get a degree. You're not. You know, it's you always going to be somebody um, below that standard, lack of experience. And when you get in a position, you lack the innovation to make sure that the country is seen from a broad perspective for the rest of the world. And if you don't have all these experiences, government is not you know, pumping in the resources needed to promote science, to promote technology, to promote med- medicine, all these things that, that can captivate young students into going to this field. 
we going to get stuck. We don't. We're gonna lack the the energy. We're gonna lack the the innovation, the idea to move forward. Oh yeah, we we have people graduating with degrees in chemistry, but they haven't seen a single chemical before. <laughs> that's, that's that's hilarious. JFK put it right. He said, "Our progress as a nation can be no swifter than our progress in education." So a man that is half educated that goes out there, he's way more dangerous than the man that is not educated. Everything boils down to the common labyrinth saying. I mean, when a capable is not available, they will become capable. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if you, like what you're saying, that's a key point because uh, um, I do have family members who, I have family members who operate a drug store, like a, like as a like a pharmacist, yeah, he's <laughs> everything. He's not he's not even been to college before. My, Lisa, I would say he went to any technical school to get some technical skills. Yeah, you know, and it's dangerous. It is. It's sad. You go to him, your head hurting. He give you paracetamol, and he he leaves a shop with the belief that if he takes the paracetamol, he's gonna get better. Mm-hmm. But little little did he know that his headache might be might has an underlying cause. Yeah, that was left undiagnosed. And if he goes back to you the following week and you give him another medication like chloroquine or some type of drip and he gets it, he came he comes out with the belief that he's gonna get better. It's just malaria typhoid. And then when once it gets so serious, you get back to him next time he'd be like, Man, you gotta go to the hospital. I think so. Like yeah yeah he's gonna take you to go to the hospital or go to some some clinic because they see a variety of your condition is something that he can't handle because he didn't have the, you know, required education to yeah. treat it. Yeah. And that's how dangerous it gets to be. And at the end of the day, it all boils down on us, you know, as civil society leaders, as, you know, government officials, public servants. We have to send out these messages. The Liberia, sometimes it gets to be very disappointing because for me, I look at numbers and I look at size of our country. Yeah. Four million people, 43, 44,000 square miles, small country, small people with a lot of resources. You, We only need people that are driven with ideas, with creativity. We only need people that are passionate and patriotic to develop that country and to make it a better place, not for just ourselves, our children, but for the unborn kids, because we believe that they are the natural highest to current government officials. Yeah. And if we can take on that mantle, that mindset, I believe that Liberia is going to be in the next 10 to 15 years, Liberia is going to increase, and we're going to see that our power is going to be a level with the rest of the world. That's, that's, that's the whole idea. That's the goal we are seeking for, is to at least have a system that is compatible with the rest of the world, that, you know, we are making progress instead of retrogressing as it's been over a long period of time. Or even areas that we are making progress, we are making those progress very slow and steady that it seems like we are doing nothing over time. Well, that's the thing. Um, if, if you have a librarian, a small librarian business hired by government to perform a certain job, at that time, we're talking about doing the gelatin construction project. Yeah, that was a good opportunity um, for we, them. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good opportunity. Sorry. Thing thing too um, is that even the hiring process was very shitty. Uh, the procurement, you know, the contract that was signed, the way in which they, they hired those people to procure their services for that job 
was was not even uh, transparently done. We have no idea how they became qualified without anyone assessing their skills or having them do an assessment of their reputation to show us what they've done before. I think the move was a good idea. It was a good idea. I I, I really, yeah, I really liked it. Like, you know, hiring a labyrinth construction company. Good, exactly. But the rest I followed was unacceptable. But I think the move The intention was good. I I wouldn't really argue into the whole idea of, of how shitty the procurement of their services was. But if we give that opportunity to a Liberian company, they should use it as a stepping stone to like deliver quality service upon which you can, you know, uh, get more contracts to come. But if you're just thinking a short term and you don't have the right uh, uh, specialized manpower to do that, in the end, it destroys your reputation. You don't have jobs anymore. And as a result, it's happening right now. Almost all of the constructions going on in Liberia, like you said, our brothers that are graduating with, 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 with degrees in engineering, they don't get the job because our local businesses with which they are supposed to work, they don't have the reputation. That honesty, that, that patriotism is lacking. And that is something that's affecting small businesses in Liberia. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it leaves ourselves. We have to kind of rewind and reevaluate our mindset and attitude. That's why I like, I love uh, the late, I mean, the former uh, information minister, Dr. Lawrence Burke, like changing mind, changing attitudes. Yeah. If, 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 if our mindset are changed, we, if our mindset are refreshed, we're going to come up with different attitudes. And this is something that is very difficult to, to impound or impose upon an individual or business. It has to be done by oneself. And the only way you can start with that is you got to develop the idea of love for country. You got to, with that mindset and that attitude, you're going to have a changed mind and a changed approach towards the things we do. Exactly. The work we do. Thinking in the long know, term. Why is true that authorities share a greater responsibility for the success or the development of our country? We also, as citizens, have a shared responsibility to work on ourselves, our personality, our approach, and the way we do things, the way we accept things, the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we walk. We need to work on these little personal issues, the little personal things, and try to hold ourselves accountable. We need to start now with the issue of communication, and I think it's going to take us a long way. It's been a pleasure today, Jonathan. Always a pleasure. Look forward to the next one. All right, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. This is the Red, White, and You podcast. My name is Mark Domain. I want to say thank you again 